we done it ourselves. We just went together and went, we're doing this for Doyle. We've got to win this for him, you know. I'm filling up here to do. Um, Coming up on the official Celtic FC podcast. Now we had a big double run bar underneath it myself. <laughs> but you found the paper. <laughs> he went, yeah, dirty Toby B. You stole it. You wouldn't even give me one bit of chocolate. So Toby's stuck for the rest of my life. <laughs> We're joined by Celtic great George McCluskey as he shares some unbelievable stories about the likes of Jockstein, Tommy Burns and Billy McNeil. And we also have the full weekend preview ahead of Celtic's match away to Kilmarnock. This is the official Celtic FC podcast. Yes, everyone, welcome along to the official Celtic FC podcast. It's the only Celtic podcast out there where you can get exclusive content from inside the Celtic changing room, or in this case, with some absolute greats from the club's past. Uh, Just before we get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you really to everybody so far that has been listening and enjoying the podcast. And just to remind everybody, if if you get the chance to subscribe and to download and even to leave us a review as well, because that's what really helps to, to push us up the charts and helps to get even bigger and better guests and just keep churning them out. Um, And also to say, we're still running our competition for the signed Neil Lennon jersey from our podcast a few weeks ago. So check that podcast out and towards the end, you'll find out how you can enter that competition if you want to win it. We're going to run it until next week as well. So get yourself on that. Right, okay, we can get into this now. Um, I'm Ryan Marr and today I'm joined by... Matthew Campbell, Matt, how are you? I feel like it's been a while since we've been in here, didn't it? We've sort of been ships passing in I the know. night a wee bit in terms of the, how the podcast has been over the last month or so, but it is good to be back, back behind the mic. <laughs> um, I think the last time we were doing this together, we had um, Neil Lennon on the, yes. on the show. Did you enjoy what, that one? It was brilliant. Good. What a chat. And what a, what a guy, you know, Lennon's a, a great, you know, of the club, total legend and of course absolutely delighted we've got another uh, man who fits that bill with us today yeah let's get the full introduction here <coughs> just gonna clear my throat for this one <coughs> he is a man that's played more than 200 games for celtic scoring 78 times i believe according to the internet um his career spanned eight years in the first team from his debut in 1975 at a time under the legendary jock steen and from there to 1983, he was part of the biggest moments in that time in Celtic's history. He scored vital goals in cup finals, league clinching goals. He scored in the biggest stage in Europe against the likes of Real Madrid and Ajax. He was part of an era which won four league titles, one Scottish Cup and one League Cup. And really more than anything else, he is a Celtic man through and through. It is none other than George McCluskey. Yes. George, how are you? Sure, that was me. Does <laughs> <laughs> that sound right? No. <laughs> I think your gold tally is a wee bit low, but... Is it? Uh, As I said, it was according to the internet, so I don't want to take the wh- blame on wh- that wh- one. Where do you have it sitting at? Well, I George? asked years ago, there's mm-hmm. something different than asked Paul Cuddy, look yep. at it, and he said 90 or 92. Oh, well, we go. Okay. Well, so, Boston we'll give you. Absolutely. We'll 100%. Take it. Yeah, 100%. The internet is Paul. never always correct. That's <laughs> <laughs> not bad when you go through all of that, though, isn't it? It must bring back some... Pretty good memories. Ah, great times. Absolutely fantastic times. Especially for somebody that supported the club, you know. I still remember the old long tunnel. Uh, My dad would bring me and my brother in and sit us on the tunnel and we'd watch uh, all all the greatest players that ever played for the club. Um, I I was here. uh, I was only a wee boy and I watched Bobby Lennox pull the ball out of uh, the Aberdeen goalkeeper's hand and stick it in the net with one, one, nothing. And uh, I ended up playing with Bobby Lennox, yeah, you know, incredible, so <laughs> incredible that, that kind of thing. That's what I love, Matt, when we have guests on, or just in general, when you see people that have had a career like George has. Yeah. But to me, as I said in that intro, the most important thing, and really all of that, is they're a Celtic man through and through. And, yeah. you know, George, you're still coming to the games all the time. You're still doing stuff in, in hospitality suites, and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just great to see that connection, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and for yourself, George, you know, you've obviously been a Celtic supporter your whole life. You, you, you come into the team, play for Celtic, win medals, trophies, score goals, which are legendary and still spoke about. For yourself, coming to Celtic Park now, We'll get into that a wee bit sort of later on in the show in terms of what your role is on a match day. But when you come to the games now, do you still have that sort of excitement of coming into Celtic Park? Does it still hold that kind of mystique for you? 
Absolutely. I mean, even today, when you come in the front door today, you still get that, as Paul McStay would say, buzzer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, so you get that buzzer on when you're coming through the door, whether, whether it be just, just to come and do this kind of thing, yeah. or especially on a match day, you know. Uh, and the good thing about it nowadays is, uh, because there's three or four years do it, yep. it gives you a wee bit of the camaraderie back before yeah. before you go and actually get around to speak to the punters yeah. and that. Uh, so for context, obviously, George on a match day um, provides a sort of, um, I guess, a role within the, the match day hospitality where himself and other ex-players will go around and interact with some of the, the customers, some of the punters in, in some of the lounges and, I guess, share stories from, from your time playing at the club. That, exactly. That's it. It's just, um, you get to know punters. It's, um, it's generally the same people that have the table, mm-hmm. but they have different, maybe, people who work for them or they work with uh, at their table. So we, we generally know the, the person that's, that owns the table. Yeah. But there'll be different people running about it at times, you know, and it's it's always great banter. Yeah. Mm. Well, if it's the same people at the table, so you need to start getting your stories every game. <laughs> well, we go to different tables. <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, there's only uh, there's myself, John Fallon, Tommy Callan, Dixie Deans, and Tommy Boyd, mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of food that's served here in Max is <laughs> unbelievable. So oh, they, you know, could tell the same story about a hundred times, and no yeah. be it. The same person, uh-huh. kind of thing. I mean, I'm, Matt, you know about it a lot as well, having, you know, worked in, in the tours and in the boardroom and stuff, but the, the behind the scenes of what goes on here on match days, it's incredible, it's isn't it? It's a total it's machine, pretty much, isn't it? It's you don't see that all the time, yeah. you don't really take it into account. It must be a hundred chefs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, no, and we know them all. <laughs> it's an incredible operation they run, but... Obviously, today we'll be excited to hear some of these stories that, yes. the, that the punters on a match day get to hear. I know, I know, definitely. Well, what we're going to do to begin with, though, with it being a sort of weekend preview show and just in the back of that victory against Hibs on Wednesday night, we're going to take a chance to look back on that game against Hibs and then also to look ahead to the game against Kilmarnock as well. So, starting on Wednesday night, a 4-1 victory. It stretches an unbeaten run at the start of this season in the league to 16 games. George, I'll ask you the first question. What did you What did you make? What did you enjoy of that performance? I tell I tell you what I liked. Uh, I liked the performance for the big boy O up mm, front. Yeah, uh, I'm an old fashioned <laughs> kind of footballer. See a bit of you and him. Uh, well, no, I like the fact that he's got a presence up up top, and you can and we can knock it up to him, and he's got his strength to hold people off and introduce your midfield or whatever. Whereas the wee man Kyogo was more getting beyond people and scoring, you know. And I thought. Uh, Although he's not that much uh, game time, big O, I thought his touch had improved. Uh, his work rate was good, it's always been good, but I thought his touch had improved great and his runs were better. Um, and the fact that we could, if we're in a wee bit of bother, knock it up to him. And uh, he can hold it up and introduce, as I say, other players into the game and get us further up the park. Well, that's the thing. To, I mean, to have a successful team, you know this yourself, George. Kyogo has been absolutely sensational for us. You also need that competition, don't you? And it's great to have two different options depending on what the game's going to offer. And and it is two really different options, isn't it? You've got the wee man who can run in behind and, and big ball. And saying that, big ball scored his second goal running behind. It's a great it? goal. Uh, and his strength is that as well. It was sensational. It was a fabulous ball for Callum uh, as well. Yeah. Um, and he, he's been great all year as well, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I just thought, I was a wee bit disappointed at the performance last Saturday against St. Johnson. And I, I don't think they're still firing all cylinders yet. I thought they were a wee bit better last night. But I thought the main thing last night was they were more attack-minded in the last 20 yards of the park. Uh, we get, and, and Saturday, I didn't think we crossed enough balls in or had enough shots for outside the box. I thought last night was totally different, and that was a big difference. I mean, the, the couple of goals come from crosses. Um, your wingers can buy people putting the ball into the net and last night I think I was sitting with Tommy Callan and I said we've had more shots at night in the first 20 minutes than we've had the full game and, thing, and Callum had a few great shots the goalie had a great save for him and the boy Palmer's went by the guy chipped it in and Matt O'Reilly got his goal yeah. so that that's for me was the difference yeah because Matt the game against St Johnston the manager was pretty clear in what he said he was disappointed with the, the first half performance Second half performance was was far better. So I think going into the game on Wednesday night, 
we were all probably expecting a reaction and a fast start. And in both halves, we got an early goal in the first half. The second half, we got two in the first 10 minutes as well. I think that probably just signified the difference in both performances, didn't it? Totally. I mean, and you're, obviously, we passed each other uh, just in the corridor on yeah, the way out the door to, to go and watch the game last night. You said we win by three goals. I did say, uh, yeah, I'll give I you credit. We'll win by three tonight. And the reason I was thinking that was because I just had the feeling that, exactly like, like George was saying there, in the first half especially at the weekend, we were disappointing. But then obviously in the second half, we were a different animal pretty much. And Brendan Rogers' words clearly at half time had an impact. He himself obviously came out and said he'd never been as angry as a manager, which was a which, you know, I don't know about y- yourselves, but that was almost a side of of the manager that you don't usually see. He's never usually maybe you know saying things like that in in, in his interviews. So he must have it must have really been you know, genuine genuine annoyance. So I just had a feeling that come last night we'd be we'd be firing, um, and obviously we were. I had a feeling we. we It'd be quite a comfortable night for us. I don't know why. I just had that. I just had that feeling going into it, and I just I liked how direct we were. Again, Lewis Palmer, just dead exciting to watch. I just mm-hmm. feel like every time he gets the ball oh, out wide, something's going to happen. I'd l- I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in the the dressing room at half time yeah. on Saturday, uh, with a wee soft spoken Irish accent <laughs> going off its head at yeah. half time. You know <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, the shots one or two of them. You know, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall. Is he a, a, a player, George Beckett? back when you played, sometimes the manager said after the match that it wasn't tactical, what the instructions he was given at half-time, it was just trying to G the team up and trying to, to put that message into them that that performance wasn't what he expected. Do you need that sometimes as a player? Did you get that a lot of times as a player? We get that more than anything. Yeah. We get that more I mean, uh, Jock Steen was in your face. He, like say, he, in your face? He was in your face that the Alec Ferguson kind of thing, you know, George Steen was a he <laughs> And Big Billy was much the same, you know, Big Billy was motivational and he would be right into you to get you going as well, you know. So I would say we get more of that than, than tactical stuff, you know, it was more of that. But uh, I just I just thought the difference in the two games was, I, I'm the old school, as I said to you, I think if you're getting 10, 15 yards for the byline, your winger goes to take somebody on and gets it in the back into the box. Nowadays they seem to come out and count and cross and keep the ball and retain the ball and all that. I'd rather see the winger going and get as a corner or a, a shy and trying to take him on like Palmer did last night. He went by the boy, crossed him his left peg and as I say, Matt O'Reilly scored. Yeah. Uh, and we got the the first goal with Callum having a shot and the goalie having a good save. And we got a corner for that mm-hmm. and we scored off the corner. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I see. I, 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 when we get to that, I think it's gold dust. You work so hard to get up that area of the park, you know. Why not take the opportunity to get it in the box? But I think a lot of supporters would probably be the same mindset. Be direct, have the shot, have the cross, and it is exciting. And obviously, games like last night when we do that, you can feel it. You know, it's an exciting game to watch. And by the way, we needed it last night a bit of excitement because it was freezing oh, out there in that stadium last night get up off the seat every now and then to celebrate a goal I don't know I was in the players lounge oh <laughs> there we go cosy, yeah. Yeah. the prawn the sandwiches absolutely another man that came in that and from my point of view yesterday I thought was impressive and what he also done was allow Callum to have that little bit more freedom to get forward was Awata and it was his first start of the season as well did you enjoy his performance I thought he was great last night I thought uh, he's a wee guy that does a lot of work that you don't see. He makes great wee runs and Callum gets on the ball. Um, I've I seen him trying one or two long balls and I think Brendan had a wee go at him for trying longer balls. He likes to keep the ball short. And, but I thought he was immense last night, the wee man. And I'm, I'm really, I think there's a right good player in him there. Yeah, I mean, he won the Japanese Player of the Year before he signed for Celtic. He's 26 years old as well, so you'd like to think he's hopefully getting to that point where he's hitting his peak. But... Do you think Matt I think he's been a wee bit unlucky because of Hatati. Hatati's yeah. played that role, hasn't he? Yeah, of course. And uh, he's excellent. I think he's fabulous. So, so for you, kind of for the for the time being, would you like him in there and allowing Callum to kind of get a bit further forward? I would. I would like there? to see that. I um, I I, th- I think he can do that job. Um, he's younger than Callum. He's probably got better legs, you know, but. When Callum's out the put well, we got as I say, we got the Callum shots, had yeah. three or four shots last night, and and that's what I'd, I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a much better performance 
all rounds against Hibs and hopefully that's something we could take into the, the game against St. Johnson. But be- uh, sorry, Kilmarnock. Before we move on to Kilmarnock, I just wanted to touch George and yourself and your own memories because you were at Hibs for for three years. Is that's that right? right. Aye, uh, just under three years. I came up for Leeds, um, signed for Hibs. Great club, massive club. Um, fans, fans were great to me. You know, took took to me, and I enjoyed it. Just wasn't it very successful. It's a uh, it's a hard hard place to go. To the expectations of the the fans and everybody that supports them in that is is a lot bigger than the actual board. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and the Hibs fans think they should be winning the league every year. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's just budget kind of restricts them totally. You know. But it's a massive club and I thoroughly enjoy playing for What was the atmosphere like at the old Easter Road? Because it seems like one of these... I mean, Easter Road's still you know, it's an iconic place, an iconic stadium. But back back in the day, as it were, it seemed like it was a real sort of... When I went there, the, the crowd seemed to be a lot bigger. And yeah. they had what I always said was like a kind of lesser jungle. They, yeah. that, that side of the park where the, the kind of terrace and all the fans crammed into it and it was a bit like our jungle. Not yeah. as good as our jungle, but <laughs> it was a bit like our jungle and the noise that came out, it was tremendous, you know. And uh, I, enjoy, I enjoyed playing that, playing in front of that, sorry. And uh, they did that stupid... They're supposed to have took the, the hill away now, aren't they? <laughs> but I went to see Celtic come lad, no chance. <laughs> but uh, one of the tactics was always hit down the hill in the second half, you know. <laughs> Teams will be tired. But well, that that uh, that area there used to be the, the what I called the old old Hibs jungle. Mm-hmm. And it was very much like the one we had. Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking into your time at Hibs before you came in just to see, you know, wh- what you've achieved during that time, the games you've had. And in that season, the centenary year that Celtic won the Scottish Cup, your Hibs team were very close to knocking Celtic out the Scottish aye. Cup that year, is that right? Aye, nearly, aye. Yeah. Uh, I've no <laughs> great memories yet, but uh, my, my one uh, bad part of my, uh, what would you say, career is I've actually scored against Celtic, so <laughs> my family what, hate me for what that. What was that like? What was that? I mean, did you... I'd never celebrate it or aye. nothing, man. I'd, I'd, I put us one up, right. and... Um, I was like, oh no, they're going to go for me here. <laughs> the Hibs fans are going after heat, but uh, I was like, oh, right, don't celebrate, just get back. And then we cuff 4 1. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a kind of good day all round for you. Cause you, get, you get your goal. No, but I never get a bonus. I never get the bonus. <laughs> so you're doing the celebration that you see a lot of people do now where they put their hands up in the air aye, and they aye, go aye. Aye. No, it was just. <laughs> my boy Barry was uh, he was a ball boy and he was jumping up like an idiot. And I'm like, you better watch yourself, wee man. <laughs> do you know what? That's actually it's funny you mention that because I feel like that's a debate I have with my friends quite a lot. If you were to score. Like at Celtic Park or against Celtic, what would you do? Would you celebrate? What do you think you do, Matt? No, no way. To be fair, I would. I'm not that good a player, so I would never no, score. You yeah. know what I mean? But very hypothetical. Uh, here. But <laughs> no, I remember you're you're a professional, and if you win, you pay your mortgage. And if no nowadays, and I know, but the I'm not nowadays are on forty grand a week. <laughs> we were on a couple of hundred. <laughs> you know? No, I'd I'd be I'd be in George's sort of. Uh, from George's playbook, a small apology if I were to yeah, score against Celtic. I think I would. I think I'd only celebrate if, see, if I was playing for a team where we're like five 0 down and I got a consolation and I could celebrate that because I'm like I've scored at Celtic Park. <laughs> yeah, this is great, but then I'd probably get a lot of sticks from my from my own fans. Uh-huh. But I don't know, it'd be difficult. But at the same time, there is something to celebrate the fact that you would have scored at Celtic I, Park. I you know? actually heard. Uh, there was a guy who slaughtered me. A Celtic sport was slaughtered me, and I heard them. I then heard his pal slaughtering him for slaughtering me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what he's done for us. <laughs> <laughs> this chain reaction going on. <laughs> all these arguments, exactly. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, well, let's let's have a look now to the the game this weekend on Sunday. It's the lunchtime kickoff. It's a way to to Kilmarnock yes. at Rugby Park, isn't it, Matt? Yes. Um, so it's a tricky place place to go, isn't it? Well, there? you you may think that, Ooh, right? Okay. But of course, now that we are sort of back and it's back in the kind of mm-hmm. normal run of things, you and I both on the on the pod. You know, I've got the stats book. Oh, go for it! You mark the stat. Oh, I mark the stat. <laughs> oh, by the way, what's just happened there? Is that just a nickname? It's just been. That's been a dawn. That's I. That's it. I'm oh, having that just come off my head. Yeah. George McCluskey's coined it. It's Matt to the stat, and I'm here with the, the stat book. And uh, and listen, you're right. 
you know, that thing of rugby parts a difficult place to go. <clears throat> Obviously, we've lost there already this season uh-huh. in the League Cup. It was very early in the season. You know, we've, we've been through that. We've spoke about it and stuff like that. But I've got the stats together in terms of our visits to Rugby Park in the league over okay. the last 10 seasons. And, you know, as it always kind of is, the stats are very good as far as we're concerned. We've been to Rugby Park 14 times over the last 10 years in the league. And, um, sorry, 15 times uh, in, over, over the last 10 years in the league. And in that time... Got to say, it's comprehensive. We've won 11, drawn two, and lost only two. And the goals are goals for 34 in our favour, and goals against 10. So, in that sense, you look at it and go, the numbers are in our favour here. They're looking good. We've obviously already been beat there this season. They're going to be buoyed, come on, look, by the fact they got a, a good result against uh, Aberdeen. But I'm feeling, feeling confident about it. But as always with the stats book, you know that I come with a little bit of trivia as mm-hmm. well. So here we go. A little <laughs> bit of Kilmarnock trivia for Mark you to take away. <laughs> Matt the start. I love it. Listen, that's it. You're living up to the name. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So in Kilmarnock's early days, the early days of that football club, they they didn't play sort of football in a conventional sense that, that we would think about it. They basically played their own version of football and it was a hybrid of football and rugby. So that, of course, then leads to why their stadium's called Rugby Park. Now, because they've got a history of playing all different sports. Kilmarnock, you know, the Kilmarnock Football Club, as you would know them, they weren't originally Kilmarnock Football Club. It was a sort of sporting uh, company, I guess. It played okay. all, all manner of different sports. Cricket was one of those as well. There was also athletics, but rugby was a massive part of it. And initially, they weren't really playing football. They were playing a sort of hybrid sport of football and rugby. And as a result of that... When the Scottish Football League was formed in 1890, they weren't invited to be a part of it. And in fact, it was until 1985 that they were invited into the Scottish Football League when they decided to fully adopt football as the sport that that club would play. So how about that for useless trivia for you? You having there that? There you go. You I, that, George. He deserves that name, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you coined it well. Brilliant. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, well, hopefully it's a game of football this weekend and not a game of rugby. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think as always going there... The big problems at park. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. the plastic the, pitch. Yeah. The plastic pitch, and it's that old, old plastic stuff. But they're looking at. They're going to get rid of it soon. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. the story. If you, uh, last week wasn't it that over mm. the next couple of years it looks like plastic pitches are going to be sort of phased out. It's an out. absolute shame because <coughs> when we played, when I played there under Tommy, mm-hmm. um, the park was the best in Scotland. Is that right? Their groundsman yeah. Gus Hollis treated the park like a baby. You weren't allowed on it mm. to walk across a bit of paper on it. He would go off his nut. Unbelievable. He treated it like a win, and uh, it was the best part in Scotland. Yeah, it's one of those grounds, uh, rugby park that, of course, as you mentioned, but there's only a domestic defeat so far this season in 17 games was there earlier on, but also holds quite a lot of good memories. I feel more so than a lot of other grounds. Like for me and my time growing up and supporting Celtic, I remember a couple of times that we've won the league title there in 2007 and 2012 as well. Also, another couple of occasions where we didn't officially win the league title, but it was pretty much done and dusted, thinking of the Tom Rodgick goal in 2016. Scott, Scott Brown, Brown won the league at Rugby Park. Scott and Brown that. in 2019, the songs coined from that as yeah. well. There was a 3-3 game, which um, was, was a massive win in that season, which we won the league yeah. uh, later on that season. We won 6-0 at Rugby Park. So it's always a, a ground, I feel, that it's got quite good memories for us as well. Well, they were always a team that tried to play football, weren't they? Yeah. And it's it's half the battle if they come out and play against you, you know. Like I'm, I come here week after week and you see teams sitting back, 11 men back, 30 yards for their own goal, mm-hmm. and we've got to try and break them down, you know. At least come on and come out and play a wee bit of football against yeah. you, which is half the battle. Absolutely. I think, the, I think the surface has a lot to do with why supporters look at it and go, it's a hard place to go. If you look at the stats... It, it's not really. Yeah. It, it looks. It, it seems like it is. We've had a few kind of sticky results, difficult games, but overall we've done all right. But it's a hundred percent because of the surface. That's a total leveler. Yeah, we've got a right few excels playing as well, haven't they? Through the academy boys. Yeah, that's right. Sure, Finley's there. Did um, Robbie Dees play Robbie for? Dees Robbie Dees. Come on, yeah, I've right. coached Robbie Dees and. Uh, Stuart Friendly as oh, well really, yeah. for the yeah. academy. I seen Robbie Dees scoring an absolute did we left back in the Glasgow Cup final a few years ago. Oh right, um, oh yeah, yeah. He scored a, Robbie Dees scored in the last minute here at mm. Celtic Park in the Glasgow Cup final against Rangers, maybe twenty nineteen. 
We won that Glasgow Cup final oh, three two, and it was Robbie D's volley from outside the area. That's right. What a goal! I, I'm, I'll need to see if there's footage of it somewhere or whatever. But honestly, what a finish! And he's obviously done really well for himself. That was on the bench that day. Aye, remember, right, yeah. That was a great, great cup final, by the way. Yeah, really exciting. Right. I think it's probably just that 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 period under Steve Clark, probably where those two victories came. I'd imagine of Sinclair's yeah, top of my so, head. Yeah. I think that's probably what kind of lives in the memory a wee bit because during that time. We did lose a couple of times and it was difficult to go. I suppose what Kilmarnock do have for them is the manager, Derek McInnes, he's kind of been there and done it. He's done a good job at Aberdeen, now at Kilmarnock as well. So you always kind of know, George, how they're going to set up. And Derek McInnes' sides, you know you're in for a, a tougher test. I agree. I think he's a guy who does his homework. You know, he does his homework in the opposition. And he'll have uh, his team well instructed in how he kind of block us and stop us playing. Uh, as you say, he's a good manager, very experienced, and he's done well uh, at Aberdeen. He was very unlucky to get the sack mm. there, wasn't he? Yeah. And uh, he's done well for Kilmarnock as well. And expecting a hard game, especially with the park. Yeah, but this December period as well, just to both of you guys, there is so many games, and I suppose it's one of those where you're sitting here as a fan at the moment, you're thinking... Can we just get through to the start of January after that last match against St Mirren and we've just ticked off every single game and we're sitting here in a pretty position. I mean, it's going to be tough to do that because the games are so thick and fast, but hopefully... Do you know what? what I, I was do, looking you know? at the programme program last night and the good. I was thinking much the same as you were yourself, but the great thing is we've got a lot of home games. Mm. There's a lot of home games. I think there's four or five home games That's through right. that period. And uh, that will definitely help us. Yeah, but that's just the thing with our running so far that we've had. Our first 11 games of the season, I know we've got Kilmarnock away now and that's always one of those games you, you kind of look at, but most of our games are all the kind of tricky ones away from home. Mm -hmm. Do you think somebody was trying to make it hard for us? <laughs> I don't know. I certainly do. Some, some supercomputer, <coughs> do you think? Oh, is, that, is that what it is? I think they switched <laughs> it off. <laughs> but, you know, we've got this run at the moment of we've got quite a few home games as well. So as you said, hopefully... We can get through this period, ticking all the games off, and we can all sit in January during that winter break and go, right, okay, good job, well done. Listen, we're off to a good start. Here. We went to Aberdeen, we went to Hearts, Hibs, yeah, Ibrox. Ibrox. Uh -huh. yeah. My God, what, how Lovely. hard I can get. But to be fair, we had a good start Marvel. to December because St. Johnston, I, I know, again, I bet if I looked at the stats, they wouldn't back this up, but I always look at St. Johnston and go, that's a difficult place to go. You know, it, it's never all. It's, it's always kind of winter as well. I know, and it always seems uh, exactly, and the pitch never seems great or whatever. Don't get me wrong; it seemed absolutely fine last weekend. But you know, we went there, got the win. Hibs come here, get the win. We're off to a good start. Do you know, what? I'm. I'm the thing about the, if, how's the weather going to be Saturday? If there's a wee bit of frost on that plastic stuff at all, that makes it even more difficult. I think it was actually. The yeah, you've got to worry about players getting injured yeah. as well. Yeah, you? it was opposite in the game in the league cup at the start of the season in August because I remember like actually a really hot day so the pitch the plastic pitch was so sticky Aye. and you could see even when they were trying to pass the ball a five yard pass Aye. it was getting stuck in the AstroTurf as well so I mean hopefully though this time around we go out mm -hmm. fast start again what would you do sort of team wise George would you kind of just stick with what we had on Wednesday night I think I would I yeah. I think uh, they deserve a second chance at it you know um, you, your team goes and wins four uh, one, you know, you scored four goals. I think he deserved to start again, but I'm no Brendan. He'll definitely <laughs> he'll probably listen to this and completely change it all because I said that. This is, this is but, Brendan's pre match listen. Don't worry about that. Yeah. He'll be, I'll bet you. He He's on the bus going into the You're game. Alive. <laughs> so, what do you think then, Matt? Score, what, yeah, we've got predictions. predictions eh? Right, I'm in form, right? Because, I know. I, but then. The, the listeners have only got my word for that because they weren't in the corridor no, as I said that to you yesterday so I'll give you it as well but I did say we'd win by three yeah. right I did say that uh, you did you did so do you know what just just, just to keep it to keep it uh, above board here I'll say the exact same thing we'll win by three on Sunday it'll be a three now to Celtic Lovely. that's what I'm going for I'll say three one nice three okay one. three one right. okay uh, let's go something different then I'll go for a I'll go for a four now. Nice, alright, okay. So I like it. We've, we've all went for sort of comprehensive victories here. Yeah. To be fair, aye, I hope you're right. Aye, I'll take that. I hope we're all right. Just take the three points. That's uh, the, that's the most important thing at this stage of the season. So totally. Yeah, um, but looking back, sorry, we're just you know you were yeah. talking there about your time at Kelly and how the pitch was was obviously 
of such a of such high standard, but you were also managed by someone of the highest standard because Tommy Burns was your I manager. You. <laughs> <laughs> give us some give us some memories about Tommy. Off he said, yeah, mental. Um, he, ph- he phoned me up and said, uh, "I've just got a manager job at Kilmarnock. Uh My first signing is going to be my best ever." He says, "I want you to sign for us." And um, I says, well, what's it? I'll come out and see you. So I don't know if you remember the old uh, masseuse that was with Celtic, Jimmy Steele. Have you heard of Jimmy Steele? He was in the hospital up in Lark Hall or Straven or something. So he's coming to my house and then he's going up to Straven. So he comes to my house, he says, there a paper sent? And I've signed that. I didn't even know what I was on. What I was doing. He gave the wins a packet of sweeties each and <laughs> that was it. He says, how did I get to Straven? You know, and I've, I've signed for him. And the first thing he says, how did I get to Straven? He knew I was going to sign for him. I says, I'm 74 down there. And he does wee boy Jonathan, well. Two o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call for his wife, Rosemary. Is Tommy at your house? I said, no. I left here at eight o'clock. <laughs> she said, he's not home yet. I said, you're kidding me, on. She said, no, he's not home yet. He'd been doing onto the motorway and drove to Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> Bam boy, you never seen Jimmy Steele or nothing. And I swear to God, the, the, the birds are still talking about it today. We, we went on holiday together to Florida and I'm falling down my earth floor. I must have got lost about 400 times. And it was all at his area, so I didn't know where it was going. I had to go through a way up the north, down to south to go to his place. And he kept getting lost. He's still Worst, worst <laughs> driver. Plus, he can't see half the times he's no get his uh, contact lenses in. He can't see. He's got a big the milk, milk bottle milk specs. bottle specs. Uh, you know, half uh, seen mental. He must have been. He must have been absolutely just sensational to share a dressing room with though, and to be part of his his team and his company. He he didn't know what they were getting, or the team did. I knew what else to get. He didn't know. There'd be times when he didn't think they were doing well. They were walking off the pitch. Uh, he'd done this a couple of things to me. He says, I'm going to have a go at you in this restroom. Come back at me and the twos will go for one. Uh, so me and him are boxing the dressing room. And you could see them all, oh, what the hell's going on, man? If he's doing it with him, what'll he do with us? And you could see physically, it was like the St. John's game with Celtic. The, the full team lifted. Yeah. They were all running about like maniacs <laughs> doing the... Uh, they were all terrified. They thought me and him were at it, but he'd, he'd wound me up to do it, you know. Half he's not. Crazy. <laughs> was he, he different as a manager to a player, or was he still the same character? Oh, he was the same character. Same intenseness. Um, same, but he had to win at all causes. And the work rate. Commander were the fittest team in the league at that time. Bar none. Bar none. Um, I was 36, I think. So I'd lucky enough, uh, uh, I'd Bobby Wilson up front, who's maybe 33, and I'm 36, and the rest of the team were just all athletes. They were absolute brilliant. And the, the tactics basically were run about, get the ball. He did that uh, Barcelona thing where get the ball back after six seconds if you lose it. He says, get the ball back and just get to him. And he would give me the ball. And hopefully we would go and score. And I became his top goal scorer that year, and we got them up to the Premier League. And uh, but some escapades were mental. I thought my wife phoned him once. Says he's been up on eight sick. And uh, he says, "What do you mean?" Said he's sweating, his toilet, everything's coming away from him. Says, "Can he play today?" I'll phone you back in five minutes. Billy start phones. Uh, the club doctor wants to see him. What nonsense! He's. She says, "Tommy, he can't go to his bed. He's really no well. He's ill." There's a car coming for him in 10 minutes. Tell me to get ready. Just shove something on the club doctor wants to see him. So I get away down to come out and I'll. And uh, there was about five or six games to the end of the season. We had to win to go up. We're playing St. Mern. And uh, he says, The doctor wants to see you. I said, You've got me out of my bed. You're like dying. So the doctor says, There's some pills, take tablets, you know, um, aspirin or whatever it was, and felt a wee bit better. And he says, You'll be all right to play, man. And you'll be fine. I was like, kidding. Tell me you're killing me here. <laughs> so at the start of the game, we won one nothing and I score. <laughs> I swear, the ball came into the box. I'm half thing me get into it. I hopped in the heat, went into the net. It takes me off with 10 minutes to go, and I was shivering. I went into the sauna. 
and I'm sitting in the sauna with all my clothes on and that, and he comes in, yeah, I said, you're not interested in me at all, are you? He went, what are you talking about? I said, you haven't a care for me in the world. I could have died in that park. All you're interested in is Kilmarnock getting to the Premier League. He went, I'd have looked after Anne the Weeds. I didn't even Brilliant. Brilliant. Maniac. King of the one-liners, was he? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. We, play, we went to Ibrooks once, and the hampers used to be that size. And he's talking away, and I, I, he, went, he gets so heated, he was forgetting what he was saying at the time. And he walked back, and he opened the hamper, and he stepped into the hamper and went, Anyway, he's are on your own. Shut the hamper on yourself. Shut the hamper on yourself. All the players are like, they didn't know what he did. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm sure we'll get more. I can't see Brendan doing that. I'm sure we'll get more of these Maybe stories. We dig into this. The Johnson game at half. I know it's it's incredible. I mean, we could probably just do a, a podcast with you, George, just on Tommy Burns oh. and your memories and your stories. And you know, you two were obviously so close, and it's such a you know the, the kind of final image of, of Tommy, and you're there. I'll tell you the very star, right? This. Is Gosh, well, I, I've just joined. I was a country bumpkin. He's a wee wido for the town, you know, the Carlton. And uh, we just got on. We were only 16 or 17. I was on £12 a week, and I come out with eight. So physically, I get £8 a week. And at that time, they always take two of the ground staff boys. We're on the ground staff together. Took two ground staff boys away with the first team. So they're playing at Aberdeen, and they always stopped at Stonehaven, the hotel. They got a meal. So. We get one meal about six o'clock and then they say up to your bed. We're only there to pick the towels and clean the boots and whatever after the game. So me and him are in the room. He goes, about nine o'clock. I'm hungry. I'm like, I'm hungry too. He's like, we're sent down for some sandwiches. It's his eyes. I'm sent down for two pints of milk and a tray of sandwiches. Never forget the day I die. I'm in the toilet and get the door open talking about him when I'm in the toilet and uh, the guy comes to the door and the guy puts it to the, the guy says I'll be 80 pence please right I says Tommy there are five in my pocket I'm only eight pound a week there are five in my pocket he says right I'll, I'll keep the change pal that's all right <laughs> I said that's the day we all week <laughs> that's all right pal keep the change <laughs> the guy's away we all a week's wages for a tip I'm sitting green you're rationing those oh, sandwiches for the rest of the week <laughs> put them in your pocket and well, I had to pay my bus fare in out to the <laughs> training and everything these lads they had to keep the change <laughs> did you always share a room with Tommy then? Uh, yeah uh, that must have been some laugh you had to get to sleep you had to get to sleep first or he talk 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 all night you know oh, mm. torture and he was the king of the, the nicknames as well, Tommy. He'd always give the nicknames out to people in the team. And well, my, my nickname was Toby. And he christened me Toby. And I, I don't like to tell people why it happened, but there was always two single beds, right? And I'm kidding on, I'm reading the paper. And he's in the other room. He's in the other bed, sorry. And I've had a big Toblerone bar underneath it myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've told him, yeah. But he found the paper. <laughs> <laughs> he went, yeah, Dirty Toby B, you stole it. You wouldn't even give me one bit of chocolate. So Toby's stuck for the rest of my life. <laughs> Still <laughs> get Toby when you come to the game. ex-players. Call me Toby. I bet you can't walk through duty free at an airport and see the big Toblerones oh, without cringing them. <laughs> oh, I love them. <laughs> but how I done it with the, the paper and still ate it was brilliant. <laughs> he had no clue. He had no clue. Magic. That's amazing. But why don't we? Why do we kind of go, uh, George, through some of your own? Celtic memories of your, yourself personally as well. I mean, Matt, when you look back, I kind of mentioned it right at the start of the podcast about George's stats and his goals, and it's an incredible history, isn't it? It's extraordinary, and you're looking at some of these incredible moments that George was involved in throughout his time at Celtic. Goals that he scored and, and trophies won. It's quite it's quite extraordinary. Um, but to go back to kind of the start of your time at Celtic, Obviously, George came into the Celtic setup in the mid seventies into the first team setup. Now, this is a time when you know, Jock Steen is in charge as manager. Now, looking into it a little bit, George, it looks like the sort of seventy six, seventy seven season was when you really started to come in to the first team into the setup. Now, well, that's I, that I, I made my debut in seventy five. I was at Valour. Well, 
you know, some people keep telling me I come on and something, and I've no recollection of it whatsoever. Yeah. None whatsoever. Dixie Deans remembers it. <laughs> I can't remember it. Well, but, but I mean, for me, it was the the old firm one. You know, uh, I, I don't know. The people probably remember Big Jock was in that terrible crash, mm-hmm. and it was only a fact he was in a Mercedes that saved his life. Yeah, and they moved him up to the Bon Secours, and he was kind of running the show for there. But Sean was actually the physical He's on the ground. Uh-huh. Kind of, he was so basically it was Sean that gave me my debut. Right. And but Jock was running it for the Bon Secours kind uh-huh. of thing, you know. I mean, what what was that? like then sort of playing under that pressure of you know, this is a legendary manager even at that point in time as, as, as a European Cup winning manager what, what was the what was the pressure like? See to be honest with you the club wasn't doing too well uh, the, the, the week before they got beat 1-0 with Rangers in the League Cup final and um, I, they had a pool of 14 up on the board and it was the same pool for the home game here uh, we played them two weeks in a row and uh, I was sitting beside Ken Ruglish and uh, Sean's read the team out and I went to go and get the boots and Ken Ruglish went, where are you going? I went, I'm just going to get all the players' boots. I said, you don't get the boots, you're playing. I said, don't use that, because he was the biggest wind-up merchant ever. I said, don't use that. He said, you're playing. Tob, you're playing. And I went, oh, God, do you ask Sean, do you know I should? Sean, my boy, son, number seven, you're outside, right? Blah, blah, blah. And they days, you were fearless. 17, you were fearless. No qualms whatsoever, you know. And uh, I obviously went and played. I get money of the match. Wait. I hurt, we were going to be one on and I've hit this one it's straight in the net Paul Wilson stuck his chest out and I went in stole my goal <laughs> but uh, we drew one each and it was a great result because yeah. the club was going through a right bad period at the time and uh, I just you'll never believe this but I, I didn't have a car I was only 17 I think and so they took me off 10 minutes to go and I just went in the dressing room get ready put my coat on and we up to uh Parkhead Cross yep. stood waiting on the bus to get home and it was full of Rangers supporters stowed with Rangers supporters and um, this bus goes by and I hear the brakes going and about six guys jump out and they run they grab me physically lift me take me onto the bus it was Celtic Supporters Club for Bell Sill <laughs> that recognised me I missed McSherry ran the bus I'll never forget to the day I die and these guys from Bell Sill ran and me but when they jumped off the bus, all the Rangers supporters because they grabbed us <laughs> and they go, oh no, there's a fight. They only grabbed me. What are you doing there waiting there? But I, I went away home. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, there was no mobile phones or anything uh-huh. or that. And uh, I, I was supposed to stay because we were playing Boavista in the European Cup on mm-hmm. the Wednesday. And we were going to Seamill the next day. And I'd been away home, I didn't yeah. know anything about Seymour. <laughs> so they, they send some dude to my house to go and get you. To, to go and get me and say, get your bags in, you've got to see me. <laughs> you know? And I uh, get, uh, we beat Boavista 3 0. I get Man of the Match at the Rangers game, Man of the Match in the Boavista game. Come Saturday, we're playing Dundee way up there. Big Jock was back and he dropped me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was a way of trying to keep you oh, grounded? Yes, and son, nah, you're a good player, a great player, whatever, but just keep you level-headed, you know? Because I would maybe, I didn't even know if I was, but maybe I'm going to be a bit cocky or whatever, you know? <laughs> and he's saying, I'll, well, I'll show him. Since we're on the subject, I mean, it's not often we get the chance to speak to a player who played mm-hmm. under Jock Steen, you know, who I would argue is the greatest Scottish manager ever, right? I mean, I know people would argue Alex Ferguson, but I would I argue. Even Alex Ferguson might argue that. I, that's the reason exactly why I would argue. I would agree team. with you. But Tactically so, and like pushing you on, yeah. and well, motivational I, and everything. He was. Give us a wee insight then. What What was it like? You know that that presence about the place. You were just oil. You were absolute oil. You just because obviously they won the European Cup and that, and it was. He, he was just like, he was bigger than life. You always seen him bigger than life, you know. Uh, I, I tell the story, he was strange, strange man I know, you know. Tell the story. Uh, me and Burns are on the ground staff. We're trying to get away early. And uh, Big Jock's stone at the door, like, says, Boss, can we get away? 
try to get away early, you know. It's Friday about two o'clock, so. Oh, your job's done. Aye, they're all done. Everything's spitting span. Everything clean as anything, boss. Said, every place is scranked. All the towels are done. The boots are all done. Everything's clean. Me and Burns are like, aye, boss, we've done everything. He's got his hand in the door like, and he's done that. Tap of the door. Look at that muck here. Used to out in the track. Sent us <laughs> <laughs> out in the track. Ran us in the track for about 20 minutes. They do all along. He was taking a line and then uh, we come back and he was like, oh, me and him like, here, two tickets for Rod Stewart tonight, away to you go to it. Wow, really, eh? But that, that was, you could never get inside, he said. They gave uh, me two, two tickets to go and see Rod Stewart, the old playhouse in Glasgow. Is this, I think it's like a sort of man management man style. Management. Unbelievable. Like, really, he handled wee jinky, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, you, you yourself must have had a, a real sort of affinity with him. I mean, you, you're from Hamilton. You come from Hamilton. I was area. born in Hamilton. I come yeah. from Huddingston, Buckinghamshire. Yeah. So, I mean, him being a Hamilton man, you know, w- was there a sort of natural affinity then in that sense? No, I, I think it, it, it wouldn't be the Hamilton. I think it's more that he was down to earth, being a miner and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he was right down to earth character. He knew, and he was hard as nails. He was tough as boots, you know. But he also had that soft side, I know. You know, I remember when I, I was a kid. At 15, and then uh, I'd played in the first, uh, what do you call it, schoolboy international that was live on the telly. And I scored and I played really well. And like Man United and Arsenal and everything were up, and they were going to sign me, you know. And, and one night we're sitting, and Big Jock's car appears at the door, you know, and him and Sean get out. My man's like, oh, my old Planet Stations, you know. And, um, Sean took my dad for a pint to the windmill pub. Big Jock comes in, he's talking to my mammy, uh, just getting into her head. You know, you know, if he goes to the Arsenal and that or Man United, he'll not get the homemade soup you're making trees and all that. You know, just getting into your head, my wee mammy's like, oh, no, I'm not letting my boy go there, you know. <laughs> it was for Celtic that night, uh-huh. you know. That's, Amazing. that's probably the difference, isn't it? Like, he had that ability. I imagine he knew everybody's name at the club, genius. everybody's family's name. And had that connection Aye. with everybody connected to Celtic, not That's just right. in that first team environment. I mean, I mean, the Man United's Arsenal's the Tottenham's or who was in for me at the time was probably influenced my dad's head with money or whatever. But he got inside my mum's head. Mm-hmm. You that's know, the key, isn't he, it? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> the key. He's a genius. He got inside my mum's head and says, "I'll not get all this uh, homemade soup when you go. He'll be in digs where you don't know who he's got in digs with." Mm. You don't know if they'll be feeding them right. You can see my wee mum, and I'm sitting on the couch watching them, saying, this is a genius at work here. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, you talked at the start about how he could lose it as well, and he'd be right up in your face. Is there any kind of moments that stand out? Was there ever a point where someone answered back to him, and you're sitting there going, oh, don't be doing that? I, I've never seen anybody answer, answer no. him back, no. But, um, a clever group then. <laughs> uh, when I w- was younger... Uh, you wouldn't be able to go and we Dixie Dean's come in with a moustache one day, you know. That's very famous, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. And by going, what's that? You get that off of the moron. I was telling you, couldn't wear a moustache. Get that off of the moron. That's ridiculous. <laughs> You're not wearing that in this place for me and wearing that. And uh, we come in the next day. And we Dixie shaved half of it off. <laughs> we only shaved half of it. And he kept that side of his face in the big job. <laughs> All right, boss. We're on fish. And it was annoying. He, didn't know, he knew there was something wrong, but he didn't know what was wrong. But we Dixie just kept that side of him, you know. <laughs> and eventually he, turned, he caught him or something. And he took a run on him. You know. <laughs> it was so funny. It was just all about standards then. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. It had to be the top high class standards at all time all and everything. Like it's just well that that thing with the dirt on the top of the hook cleans the top of a door. Yeah, Aye. the top that's to tell us it's got to be right up there or else. But you see that kind of that high standard obviously is something that then uh, trickles down to the players that he managed and you know arguably the well, if you mo- date in life you take it on the pitch don't you? Well, totally and arguably the most famous certainly one of the most famous. Players that he managed, one of the most famous players in the history of the club was none other than our very own Caesar, Billy McNeil, who you also played under um, during his time as Celtic manager. 
Now, well, obviously, you had such a wonderful career, so many amazing moments. We were sitting talking about them earlier. We're having to hand-pick a few, but one that I, I want to just touch on here, Billy McNeil is the manager. It's 1979, and it's that famous night when 10 men won the league at Celtic Park. We beat Rangers 4-2. You're on the score sheet that night. Of course, we're up against it because Johnny Doyle gets sent off quite early in the game. Give us your memories of that famous night. Uh, my first uh, abiding memory was that uh, there was a national strike for some reason. Everyone went and strike, the buses, the taxis, trains. So I remember coming out of the game and thinking, how are the punters going to get into the game? You know, I wonder if there'll be a crowd or two or whatever. But stat, Celtic fans must have walked 20 miles to get to the game. And they would have, you know, they'd walk miles to get to games. And the place was stout. And um, I remember Ali McDonald was down and... Uh, Big Bill was trying to keep everybody calm, you know, because if we won, we won the league. If they drew, yeah. they could win their next game. And uh, but Big Bill was trying to keep everybody calm, but at the time, Alan McDonald and Dolly towed him up the backside. <laughs> and I'm what's he done? The referee right away off. And I went to Dolly to say, what have you done? But I, I stopped there, he had a glaze over his eyes. He didn't know. I think the game had too big for him. Right. It was too important for him. And um, what I was talking wasn't going in. He wasn't saying, he just walked off like, in a daze, you know. And uh, obviously we won and uh, it was fabulous. Uh, the fans were <laughs> trying to go in the pit and they wouldn't let But when we got back to the dressing room, there must have been 400 people in the dressing room. We couldn't get, get moving. Eventually, half the Lisbon Lions were in the dressing room. It was brilliant. We were all singing and cheering. I'm going, Lisbon Lions are cheering me. It's unbelievable, man. They were getting after he We Betty, Bobby Murdoch, Jinky, all in the dressing room, getting after he as if they'd won it. You know, that's how much affinity they had with the club at the time. Um, once you're a Celtic player, it stays with you, you know. But uh, it whittled down, and I went into the toilet, and Doyle came in, and he was roaring and greeting that away, and I'm not kidding. He said, I thought I'd blew it for us. I thought I'd blow it. I said, wow. He said, oh, thanks very much. Tob, called me Tob, Toby Tob. Tob, thanks very much. I can't even believe what I've done. I, I just don't know what happened, but I just flipped. I don't know. I'm tears were, you know. So Big Billy says, right, boys, come in at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. We'll give a rub and whatever. So I get in about half ten, Doyle's car sitting. Doyle's for View Park, hard area, you know. I always thought he was a wee hard man. Didn't he want any, think he was soft or anything like that. So uh, he's windy goes down as I'm walking in. He's uh, sitting in the car. And he says, Toby, Toby. I said, what? Come here, man. Come in here. So I goes into his car. He's like, see that last night? Don't you tell an effing soul you seen me greeting. <laughs> <laughs> tell nobody you seen me greeting. <laughs> I'm right into the dressing room. Doyle was greeting <laughs> last night, by the way. The grass. So um, I mean, that is my abiding memories with the next day with Doyle. Aye. <laughs> aye. I, mean, I mean, that's inc- you were getting an insight here that you would just, it's invaluable. You're touching on Johnny Doyle there. Obviously, tragedy strikes at such a young age for Johnny Doyle. And, you know, it's such a young age for all of you, you know, losing a, a friend like that. I We were talking about this earlier, Ryan and I, trying to imagine what that must have been like for you when that news came through that oh, it was a, especially sore for me because I came from well Birkenshaw I came mm. from Doyle was the next kind of place uh, View Park and uh, we were we were really close I mean my, my wife was his hairdresser he's curly perm uh-huh. was my wife had done the perm and uh, we we would uh, end up moving to Kilmarnock and getting a house in Kilmarnock and we would drive down and she would do his hair down there and I, I swear to God I wish I'd had a camera phone then uh-huh. and go open with the curlers and took that, <laughs> man. That'd been worth a fortune to me. I'm the only player that actually seen him with the curlers and he's like, you better not show <laughs> But um, you know what a perm's like, yeah, right? yeah. getting a perm. Well, my missy said today all that. And uh, I, as I say, it was especially sore for me because I was really, really close. I understood him better than other people. Mm. He was, it was an aggressive wee hard man, but he done. Soft, soft heart as well, you know, but he outwardly wanted people to think he was a wee hard man, you know, but, but really soft inside, and when that happened to him, it was especially the circumstances that happened in, uh, it was especially sore for us. I wonder, George, how the club at that time, 
dealt with that situation because it's not something that happens all too occasionally. And, you know, the team that season ended up going on and winning the league. You score a, a double against St Mirren the last game of the season to win it. And I know the league title goes down to Johnny Doyle in that season. But how, as a group and as a football club, did you deal with that situation? I, I don't know if it'd be better nowadays or it was better then because we became introverted. We became closer. And we're doing this for Doyle. Nowadays, they would get, I don't know, all sorts of people to come and speak to you and talk to you about it. And, and uh, where we done it ourselves, we just went together and went, we're doing this for Doyle. We've got to win this for him, you know. I'm filling up here, I do. Um, and that was better for us as a team. And uh, I remember the, the the last game of the season. Uh, something that was really funny, right? Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we had to win that game to win the. If Rangers went to Aberdeen and won with six goals, I think it was, they would have won the league if we drew. So we were not on each half time, and Big Billy was a bundle of nerves, and he's he's saying, "Don't let him be in the dressing room. Don't tell them the score at half time. Nobody tell them the score." Right. So the door burst open while Big Billy's near talk. Frank McGarvey. They're winning four and a half time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Big Billy turned, took her and grabbed him with the throat and threw him right out <laughs> of the dressing room. That was the funniest thing. It kind of broke the ice a wee bit. Right. Uh, more than anything, you uh, know. And as you say, we went on to, uh, to win three nine. I was actually claiming a hat-trick for that game. Yeah. Tom McAdam, if you notice, Tom McAdam headers it down for the corner, but I get it brushes my stomach just before it ah, goes in. A bit like O's goal, yeah. So that should be another goal you can add on. I'll add that in as well. I swear to God, Tom McCann's the nicest boy I've ever met in my life, so I wouldn't take that goal after. Yeah, I yeah. love him with bits. Talk about important goals, eh? Scoring and scoring league winning goals, games and in, in games where we have won titles and cups. Us in such an incredible career. That was really Quite moving as well. Speaking about about Johnny Doyle there, I was. I felt myself um, falling up there. Um, not not a, obviously. We're, we're trying to force emotion or whatever here. Don't make but, me great. Well, don't worry. Um, but uh, talking about big goals and stuff like that. Well, well, I guess we'll kind of round up here in terms of talking about European goals because you know you had a few rather important goals in Europe that you scored. Take us back to that goal against Real Madrid in nineteen eighty. I um. Believe it or not, I scored two that night. I don't know if you've seen the one who got chopped off. It was yes, diabolical. I, I, absolutely. Uh -huh. I, did, I did watch that. It gave offside to me. I know. It was a cross through the byline. It's a shocker. And I've heard her down. How did they chop that goal off? I've seen that we, recently. We should actually, have won 3-0. It is a shocker. Oh, every, time, every time you mention something, I say, I got another goal. I know. <laughs> I know. You're at 107. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was that like, scoring against Real Madrid? Oh, it was... Uh, right here, at, you know, the jungle is it's up whatever. It's we were a right good team. That was like the quarter-final of the European Cup. Uh -huh. We had the one, I think, Nottingham Forest won that year, did they? Uh, I, I did, I'd be guessing, but you could be right there. Uh, but when we went to Madrid, we were cheated so badly. It was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable, the cheating. The first uh, 30 seconds of the game, Bobby Lance run down the wing, and their centre-half was the German guy, Stilica. And he sat there. Yeah. It's, it's an assault. It's a prison sentence. <laughs> he never even booked him or nothing. You know? And uh, the fouls that went on, and the wee guy, Angel, tripped me up and then stood in my hand, and, oh, it was... Unbelievable, the referee, and then their goal came for Peter Latchford bouncing the ball five times when the rule wasn't even out. He gave a foul four yards for the <laughs> for the the flag. Peter Latchford bounced the ball four you times. Now, yeah. Watch it, and, what, it's uh, unbelievable. They got a corner for it and they score for a push in the corner. It's it's diabolical. Yeah, is that one of the kind of the biggest moments so? For you in your career, maybe is it something you're most remembered for when you're coming back well, to Celtic Park? Well, everybody now? remembers you for the goals, you know, yeah. the, the Ajax goal and yeah, the, the, the Real Madrid goal. And funny enough, we were just talking about them um, a wee bit earlier, we yeah, feeling funny. a bit tough. Uh, Doyle scored the second one. That's right, yeah. yeah. And Doyle, we a heater. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's a hell of a I chased after him, said, what are you doing heating it? <laughs> Unbelievable! It was. He came between two of them, didn't uh -huh. he? It was fantastic goal. Did Johnny Doyle hit the bar in the Bernabeu as well against Real in the away game? I'm pretty sure somebody hit the bar for Celtic in the away match 
and I think it would have been to take the lead because I watched these. What game was it? I mean, you just be sitting here claiming it, right? And then yeah, that that Ajax game as well. I think that was in uh, a couple of seasons after that in 1982. That's right. Uh, yeah. Away in Amsterdam, and now we're talking about. You know, Ajax were a team. Did they win three or four European Cups they had, in the 1970s? And this Ajax team again were stacked with, with absolute quality. You and Cruyff playing that game? Cruyff was playing that yeah. game, aye. But you yeah. downed him, uh, a last minute winner. That was it, aye. Luckily enough, uh, at, at the time Big Billy started, I don't know if you remember back in the days, uh, we played with three strikers. Big Billy kind of done that. He used to like, rotate the three years. And sometimes play with the three. Years, As sort of you, three. Oh, Nicholas, Frank McGarvey. Aye. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I played with the three. Years. And that goal that night, McGarvey gives it to Nick and Nick gives it to me and I score. Brilliant. Uh, so, and Big Billy was innovative, you could say, because mm-hmm. he was the first one that kind of done that kind of thing, play with actual three out-and-out strikers. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it, it, other teams started to copy it and take it on. But uh, oh, it was a fabulous night. I think... I'm, I'm not sure, but I think their stadium, something was wrong or they couldn't get enough of a crowd, so they moved it to the Olympic Stadium Right, okay. for the bigger crowd. And I think there was something like, I think it was one of the biggest away crowds ever. It was uh, something like right, 11,000 uh, Celtic supporters went or something. I'm pretty sure up, at that, up until that point, that was the that was the biggest travelling support that ever went to Amsterdam. I, th- I think so. I think I, I, something I, like that. Uh, it was uh, everywhere you went, there was Celtic supporters, you know. And uh, oh, it was fantastic. He scored a goal for them as well. It yeah, was just yeah. unbelievable. Charlie and scored a brilliant goal in that game as well, didn't he? Charlie scored a great goal as well. But I remember just after my goal, we were all doing celebrating. And the referee let them take the kickoff. Oh. Watch it. The referee let them take the kickoff. And they're away. And the only person back is Danny. <laughs> and Danny hoffed the guy in two. He got a foul. <laughs> and we all get back, you know. Danny against eleven. <laughs> <laughs> <Super Pro, man. laughs> watch it, honestly, watch it. Danny <laughs> off someone too, and we <laughs> managed to get back in. Well, absolutely, that's my memory. <laughs> um, they're just fantastic. I memories, know there's, eh? there's so many, there's so many amazing moments, so many amazing things. I mean, as Matt, you said, we've just cherry picked some of them. So yeah, I have a school run. I know, I know. <laughs> we, need get, we need to get you going. I tell you, exactly, I tell you we'll round up on something that we were talking about just at this before we went on air. Um, so we're talking obviously George Stizzy's match day. Um, I get match day hospitality, match day sort of uh, patter merchant. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think that's <laughs> the official title. Um, so Matt is that he's a patter merchant. That's right, aye. But um, but George was saying last night that that Roy Aitken, another Celtic legend, who's also been on the podcast, yeah. uh, put a question to George and to some of the ex players: Who's the greatest Celt ever? That's a brilliant question. I guess we'll round up on on that point. Well, we uh, we were sitting having a cup of tea, myself, Tommy Callan, Dixie Deans. And Tom Boyd, we were sitting having a cup of tea in the Celtic suite before, and the door bursts open, and bear be name, bear be nature, he batters in. Right, Toby, I've got one for you. We've been arguing about it. He, dri- he stays in Harrogate now. Right. So he drives up to the games. Him and Jimmy Lumsden. Uh, Jimmy played for Celtic a long while ago as well. And uh, he says, We've been arguing about it. Who's the greatest ever Celt? And people say, like, Jimmy, oh, I don't mean greatest player, I don't mean the greatest manager. The most influence, influential person ever to be part of the Celtic Football Club. And there were names getting banded about. Like, well, Big Roy said Big Billy because he's played the most games and he's won the most trophies, albeit that some of the trophies are with a manager, as being a manager. Mm-hmm. I believe Bobby Lennox is... Yeah, as a player, yeah. He's As a player, he's the most... Although James, he could probably beat him. He mm-hmm. could catch him, couldn't yeah, he? Yeah. So he reckoned um, Big Billy. Tommy Callan and Dixie thought Jock Steen. And uh, I think Tom Boyd threw in Fergus McCann. Mm-hmm. And and then there was people in the room starting to come round and listening. And well, well, I think uh, Ken Dalglish, I think Henrik. And they all started to say, who's the greatest of ourselves? Now, th- th- some of the names are mentioning as Henrik and Ingmi, great players, fabulous. But not the greatest self. You know, it's got to be the full package. So who are you going for then? Who's your who's Mine's, your shoot? I I kinda broke the rails. I I scattered them all. I says uh, I think it must be Brother Wolfred. He started it. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be here without him. Now you, when you Big Roy stipulated that when you give an answer, you must give a reason. 
and that was my reason. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Brother Wolf. It's a hell of a shout, and to I, be fair. I'm in uh, a chat with a lot of guys from Belfast and all the world called the Brother Wolfrey chat. Mm-hmm. And I went home and into my bed and I started, I wonder what they think. Do you want to see the fighting it was <laughs> on, the, on the chat? <laughs> they were all calling me for her. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What's this? And, uh-huh. and I said, oh, just leave it with them. Brilliant. You know? well, who would you? Well, who would yours be then, Ryan? I mean, Brother Wolf is a hell of a shout for the most influential. Takes about beating Brother Wolf. That? <laughs> I know it does, doesn't it? I, 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 honestly, it's so difficult. I mean, when Tomboy mentioned Fergus as well, I suppose again, we're kind of at that stage again where you're looking at it and thinking if Fergus doesn't come in, would exactly. he still be here now as well? So that's another person. I mean, it, that's it's all about opinions. Yeah, but. It's a great, great question, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't... I but don't the first know. decent thing Aitken's done in his life... I is caused that argument there, right? <laughs> I suppose the, kind of the first names that come to mind for me... Send your answers to Ryan. Ah, yeah, get, get them in. Get your answers into get Ryan. In. We need to have a proper debate on this. Yeah. The first answers that come to my head, I think the most influential, the first ones that come to my head were Jock and then Willie Maley. Right. Were the first two that came into my head. when Willie oh, uh, Sorry, somebody before. else said Jimmy McGrory. Uh, well, oh, see, yeah. that would be mine. McGrory... The stature of him, 468 goals in 445 games for Celtic, yeah. is huge. The chance to go to Arsenal, Arsenal wouldn't he go? I mean, Mary's a shout, 43 years. 43 years. He was, 43 years. He was manager of Celtic from 1897 to 1940. Well, another bit of trivia, that makes him the longest serving top Mad flight manager that. in the history of the game. Now, he's not the longest, top, longest serving manager at one club in the history of the game. That's Fred Everest, West Bromwich Albion. He was their manager for 45 years. But if you want to spin it to, for a win for Celtic, you could say that Willie Mary's the longest serving top flight manager at one club because West Brom have not always been in the top flight during oh. that era. But I merely 43 years. He was involved for the start. He was he was in, he played in the first ever Celtic game. It's a great shout. Yeah. You could say... He played in the first ever Celtic Willie yeah. Mary, yeah. Oh, James, uh, uh, Willie Mary. He's um, starting to change your opinion yeah, a wee bit now. Oh, <laughs> you can see the cogs going uh, now. Yeah. That's it. I know. See, what are you guys in that Belfast chat? We going, oh no, I know. <laughs> it's a hell of a listen. Put it, we'll put it, we'll put it to our, our yeah, listeners opinions. and viewers. It's all about opinions. Yeah, if you're listening, definitely send them in, and we we'll, we can kind of keep going over. We can keep going over this and have a have some further chats in this and later podcasts uh, and see what all the, the listeners totally and viewers totally different think. for the greatest ever player. Or yeah. Ever Who's the most influential? Yeah, because you first said that, I thought it was Larson because it's like player. I thought, Aye, but you're right. Think about it. What? Listen, what? I still think I'm right. Yeah, it's a great show. Go for it. You go for it, and I think it's been a it's been a great podcast anyway so far. It's, it's been a great place to end it as well. It's been brilliant. We've we've had unbelievable stories. George, you may come back in in our time to get more stories because I've I've loved that. It's been brilliant. And I've left I, I've, yeah. I've left with a nickname as well, which is exactly. I know at the start. <laughs> Plus, I don't need to go around the tables now. They all know my stories. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Let's give them this podcast. <laughs> Genuinely, have you seen this? <laughs> If you're up for it later on in the season, it'd be great to have you back Absolutely. in, and we can go through. We've cherry picked so many things, and I think there's so many, so many other things we can get into as well. Aye. But, uh, but no, thank you so much for coming in. Honestly, no, really appreciate it. Enjoyed. I was a bit oh. nervous, uh, as I say, I'm a dinosaur, and I had to ask my daughter what a podcast was. Natalie's <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like, Dad, <laughs> you, you've given us an absolute belter of a podcast today, George. Really, no, thanks no, so much. Thanks thank you so much. Hope and, people uh, enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you again. Well, we'll see you at Celtic Park and. In the next home game, and hopefully we'll see you again in the podcast. And, uh, can you just state that it was all done the one I never swore once. No, nope, right. you did not. I didn't, no, you didn't have to cut nothing. <laughs> so I, I did it right, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, George. Thank you so much. Right, God Thank bless. You very That's much. Great.